Welcome in. This is your live chat for this week's Charles Schwab Challenge. I'm Rick Gaiman, and for the next hour or so, this time is yours. Whatever you want to do, Charles Schwab Challenge, you want to talk about ownership, you want to talk about players, you want to talk about Brooks v. Bryson, you want to talk about what we're eating for lunch. I don't care. Whatever you want, this time is yours. Uh, this is, of course, presented by Jock Market. That is Stock Market DFS. It is going crazy, and it's perfect for golf. Uh, we'll talk more about them later, and there's going to be a live uh, power hour tonight at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time uh, right here on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. But let's let's not waste any more time. Hit the like button. That goes a long way. Thank you very much. Throw your questions, your comments, your concerns in the chat, and we will go through as many as possible. And Ryan, in the poll position out of the gate, how does Keith Mitchell look for the course this week? Interesting. This is a place you kind of have to be uh, – accurate off the tee a little bit precise we know that he's great off the tee makes a lot of birdies but let's pull up his metrics here and everything that you're going to be able to see everything that you're looking at on screen is from my site it's called rickrungood.com it is a golf data website i really like it i think you will too here is keith mitchell the good news about keith off the tee killer, right? I, I mean, he just absolutely gained a ton of strokes off the tee. His last four rounds or last four measured events have been much better on approach. I worry about this aspect, the around the green play, because if you if you look at Colonial, uh, 5,000 square foot greens on average, uh, some of the that skews smaller on the PGA Tour. There's a lot of opportunity where you're going to have to get up and down, but everything else aside looks good. You know, it would be, it would be very... Um, Look, there, there's a reason that he is not priced, you know, $9,500. He's $7,800. So he's not going to be a perfect player. I think this sets up pretty well for him, Ryan. In the 9K range, Will Z, Scheffler, and Kokrak look to be sub 5% ownership. I don't think anymore. So this, this is, this is changed throughout the week. So here's what I currently have. This is the cheat sheet. So that, uh, I have Zaltors at 16% now. I have, uh, Scheffler at 9 and I have Coke Rack at seven. So a lot of steam, rightfully so, for Will Zalatoris. And I think in a vacuum, the answer has to be Will Z, right? If you want to consider ownership, that's fine. Uh, but since he came on tour, since he started in at the U.S. Open, and I'll, and I'll just show you this again while, while we're looking at it. So remember, he kind of made his debut at the U.S. Open, which was in September. So since then, he has been... Uh, the third best player in strokes gained approach behind only Morikawa and Justin Thomas strokes gained total. He's sixth in this field. I mean, he's just been absolutely splendid um, outside of that. Uh, I think Scheffler's okay. I think he's fairly priced. I think Kokrak is kind of interesting because a lot of people are going to look at, um, just his finishing position and the fact that he finished uh, 49th last week, but he was, he was in it for three rounds. He had a really horrible Sunday at the ocean course. So uh, I, I think he's probably the guy that I like more than the rest of the industry in terms of, in terms of sentiment there. Mike says, Hey Rick, thank you for the good work. Hit the like button. Mike is absolutely right. Thank you. Uh, would you provide thoughts on Rory Sabatini? Why is Brant Snedeker? Why is Brant Snedeker's ownership projected so high? I also like Luke List this week. Do you? Um, all right, we'll try to take these. We'll try to go through these one at a time here. So let's do Rory McIlroy or Rory Sabatini. Excuse me. The other, the other Rory. 
so here we go. Here's Sabatini. Uh, this would be pretty concerning. The fact that he's lost strokes on approach in four of his last six, that's concerning. He's not really a, a big gainer in a lot of places. The putter is volatile, which I actually like, Mike, but uh, there's a lot of concern for me about Rory McIlroy this week. Why is Snedeker projected to be so highly owned? So I'll look up his number here, but while I'm in the Holy Grail, we can look at some of the trends that Snedeker has been making here. I think my internet is, there we go. It seems a little slow there. Um, I've got a lot of stuff running. That's what happens when you're running all this stuff behind the scenes with the streaming and whatnot. So we'll just give this a second. So uh, the results for Snedeker have been good, right? 17th at the Byron Nelson, 11th at Valspar, uh, 4th at the partner event. That was with Keith Mitchell, right, at at Zurich, and 6th at Valero. He is kind of this uh, short game specialist. He does it on on this side, but I'm I'm assuming the reason that he's going to be so popular is because he's got, five top 20 finishes in his last four starts. So I, I don't know if I'll get to Snedeker this week personally, but um, that is why people are high on him. Cam Davis had a pretty good start at Kiowa and struggled after that. How do you feel about him? Yeah, so I'm actually pretty bullish on Cam this week. So the reason is this. Let's find old Cam Davis. So he is 13th in driving distance and 190th in driving accuracy. And at a place like Colonial, where it is tree-lined fairways, you'd probably be thinking, wow, that's terrible. Um, Like, what is he going to do? But what we've seen, what we've seen some of these longer guys do on tree-lined fairways is they can club down. They can play it to the dog leg with a shorter club than everybody else. We've seen Gary Woodland have a lot of success with this. We've seen Tiger, honestly, in his career have a lot of success at this. So uh, certainly not trying to compare Cam Davis to either one of those guys, but uh, I do like the way that this kind of sets up for him because people aren't going to think it sets up well for him. He makes a lot of birdies. He's pretty good on approach. So it's not like he can't be precise. He just doesn't have to be a lot of times. So I, I do think this is a sneaky, a sneaky good course for Cam Davis and other guys that kind of grade out similarly. Thoughts on Lucas Glover. He's a small gainer T to green. His putter has gotten hot a few times this year. Interesting. We have not done a deep dive on Lucas Glover recently, so I don't even really know uh, what he's been up to. Let's take a gander. I assume, uh, okay, his putter has been better recently. I mean, he's notoriously a terrible putter, right? And you can see dating back to the dating back to the U.S. Open, he, he's a consistent loser, but he's gained in four straight at players Honda, Valero, and RBC Heritage. That's much better for him. Now he's lost in each of his last two, which is a little bit concerning. Maybe he lost that feel. Irons have been bad. Off the tee has been bad. This would be the concern for me, right? Is this is always a red flag hybrid. When a guy's best attribute, which is for for Lucas Glover, his driver, when that starts going away, it is usually a red flag that something is happening. And it tends to take longer to come back. That's all I'm saying. Glover might be the guy who who can kind of get it back on track, but that is that has been the uh the norm recently. Hank Hill, welcome back, says, thoughts on some pivots for the 8K chalk? I'm struggling to find many that I like. Okay, so the 8K chalk, I have that being Charlie Hoffman and Brian Harmon and a little bit of Matt Wallace. I would def- I would describe that as chalk. They're the three guys over 8,000, uh, excuse me, over 15% in the $8,000 range. So pivots off of that. Um, Ryan Palmer. Right. So Ryan Palmer at half the ownership of, of Charlie Hoffman, his results at Colonial have been a bit of a mixed bag. He's got like three missed cuts. He's got three top tens in his last eight stars. So it's kind of been a mixed bag. I wouldn't mind that. Um, 
yeah, I'll, that it's a pretty tough pivot range, isn't it? Uh, I do not like Rose. Billy Horschel's okay. I don't want to go to Phil or Kevin Na. I, I'd, I'd probably go back to Cameron Tringali. So the thing with him is he grades out really well in a lot of situations. Um, and the the really ugly result from last week was like four holes. He played four holes, like 13 over par. I, I would probably be okay going there, but I agree with you, Hank. It is not a great a great place to pivot when generating lineups. What percentage of players do you tend to remove from your pool entirely? A lot of them by the end of the week, I seem to have about 30 to 40 players. Is that too little or too much? So this is a question I get a lot. It's probably the number one question that I get. It says how many people should be in my player pool? There is no right answer. If it all depends on your risk and how many lineups you are making. If you're making a lot of lineups, you're probably going to want more. If you're trying to be high risk, high reward, you're probably going to want less. I try to keep my pool very, very tight, 16 to 20 golfers, something like that. I know a lot more people get to 30 or 40 because they kind of spread it out. And and hey, if one lineup hits, that's fine. I, I tend to take the approach of I'm either going to cash all of these lineups, or I'm going to whiff all of these lineups. Uh, but that is me. So there's really no right answer to this. Rick, your holy grail sheet on rickrungood.com is money. Thanks, Ryan. Who the heck is Joseph Bramlett? Yeah. And why is he rating out so well for me? Well, I guess there's one way to find out. Let's go look him up. He's had a couple of decent results recently. Let's see if they're fool's gold or not. All right. Just and I'll open up his his time frame here a little bit so we can see. Okay, good news for Bramlett. Um, off the tee in his last couple of starts, he's been good. Approach, that's fine. The putter has been historically horrible, but he gained strokes in his last start at the Byron Nelson. Man, this to me looks like a lot of whack-a-mole. And, and when I say that, I mean, it's like one week he's great off the tee. The next week he's horrible. Uh, one week he's great on approach the next week. And he and he's never putting it all together. Now, the best result that he put together was the most recent. So if you're going with kind of a really short, short-term ball-striking player, this probably is why he's showing up for you. But I would be concerned about any level of consistency for Bramlett. We need some Rick Run Good logo golf balls. Buying a team. Okay, so this is so funny. Uh, obviously, this whole Brooks or Bryson thing is going on, and everyone's taking sides. And my wife said to me, We should make Team Brooks or Team, or we should get Team Brooks or Bryson shirts. And I was like, I love you. That's the best idea you've ever had in your entire life. So we ordered some, and then I did put them on, or she put them on. Uh, r- r- this is the Run Good store. So rungoodstore.com, you, you can get Team Brooks, Team Bryson. I got a team Bryce or I got a team Brooks, excuse me. She got a team Bryson. Um, uh, and there's other, there's also other Rick run good stuff on there. Low good stuff. I don't think there's golf balls though. Maybe someday, but we thought it was funny. It's been fun. These guys are out of control. It's great. Hey, Rick Hoffman, Tringale, Grillo, Kirk, all have similar T degree numbers and par four scoring. Which one of your four? Ooh, you tricked me, Paul. Would you have the least confidence in playing this week? Oof. Good call. Um, I guess Tringale, even though I just I just kind of liked him as a pivot, the, the argument against him is that he he missed the cut before that as well. Um, so it's probably him. I do really like Hoffman. I think Grillo's fine. And Kirk is a ball striker. That's more up my alley. So I think by process of elimination, it has to be Tringale. 
Hey, Rick, love the channel. Thank you. Any thoughts on Gooch this week? He made the cut last week at a tough course. He's been fairly consistent. Yeah, so that's what he kind of does. If what you're looking for is a guy to finish 25th to 45th every single week, uh, that's kind of what Gooch does. And he does it in a way that is a little more ball strikey, which is which is what I would prefer. So let's find him here. Um, yeah, so he's, you know, generally, let's see his match. Let's aggregates. His approach game is his best, right? That's where he gains the most in any category. He is a bit volatile across the board in all of these. He consistently 26th at the Wells Fargo, 39th at Byron Nelson, 44th at the PGA Championship. That's kind of his range, right? He's never really going to kill you. I don't know how much upside he actually has. I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable putting him in a GPP lineup because I don't know what his upside is. I will say that his, his uh, peers rave about him all the time, which is usually a good sign, but um, I, I think I need to see a little bit more. Gary Woodland does seem to be trending in the right direction. So we were off Gary Woodland for a very long time because he did what I described earlier where he lost his weapon. He lost his driver right here, and it took him – I mean, it literally took him six months to figure it out. Now we are seeing much better metrics from – Gary Woodland, right? He gained six strokes on approach last week. That is now two weeks in a row he has gained on approach. He's off the tee game, the driver coming back, the putter still a little, uh, you know, I don't know what to call it, volatile, but the tee to green numbers are starting to fall in line. He is not as good as he was in 2019 or even uh, at times in 2020, but he is turning the corner, Milton, and I, and I don't think that we disagree on that. <clears throat> All right. Um, the Todd father still has no distance and his irons are crap, but he seemingly found a scrambling ability with his good putter. Yeah, that's the, that's his story with the low sevens being rather dreary. Is he a relatively safe option? Oof. well, let's look at some, let's look at the low seven K range here and see if we can find anybody safer. So here's, here's uh Brendan Todd coming off the miscut. Hasn't played well at colonial. I mean, the problem with calling a short game specialist safe is that by nature, that is the most volatile aspect of the game, right? Like he relies so heavily on the putter and, and the around the green game that if it's off just a little bit, like he can't make it up anywhere else. That would be my concern. So I don't know if anybody down here in the 7K range is particularly safe. So I'm just going to avoid that question. <laughs> I don't think any of them are safe. How do we feel about Zalatoris over Palmer? I may have laid a significant number. Oh, on a matchup, best finishing position. Um, yeah, I mean, we can we can run the math, right? Let's. I mean, this is a this is a pretty straightforward one to do because uh, there's a really good time frame for Zalatoris. So this is the head to head matchup tool on RickRunGood.com, and the really good time frame is since Zalatoris debuted, which would have been September 20th, which was the U.S. Open. So if we take Zalatoris and we put him up against Ryan Palmer, we're going to find out the likelihood of him winning a four-round matchup. And I have it at, oh yeah, this is the one I ran. So this is why. Yeah, so uh, this is a huge number. 76% is a huge number. It's probably not true, but even if it is closer to like 66% or 60%, uh, it's still significant. So yes, that this would this is the one I talked about on Tuesday's preview show that I um it's one of the best ones we've done in a long time. And it's still, you know, it's still maybe he's only winning it two thirds of the time. So you're going to lose this a significant portion of the time, but it's probably one of the better ones that we found recently. 
Smash the like button. That's a great idea. Are you eating the Whaley chalk? Yeah, I kind of did this to myself, right? I mean, Whaley's been a guy who's been on the radar for so long. We finally get a really good number on him, and now it's like everybody else is on him too. Uh, I think he is. I think he is trending towards ten percent uh, ownership. Is is kind of what I'm seeing. I, I I don't think the option is pivot. I don't think pivot's a good option. You either play Whaley and you eat the chalk, or you don't. Um, there's a reason he's $6,200. So I would, I think I'm leaning towards playing him, uh, because this is a really top heavy field and playing him allows you to get, uh, you know, two of the top guys, which I think is where the vast majority of the win equity actually resides. So I'm, I'm leaning towards playing him. Um, but I don't think you should be pivoting. I think you should be either avoiding him or playing him. That's, that's the way to do it. I did mention this is brought to you by jock market, which is stock market DFS. Uh, they just got $10 million in, in 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 seed funding from a VC. They are adding a bunch of new stuff constantly. This is where you can uh, not only bid on golfers tonight, so 8.15 p.m. Eastern time uh, until 9, or it's actually open right now, but at 9 o'clock, uh, the IPO phase closes, and then you will get shares of golfers, and then you can tr- trade your shares throughout the event. And if you're trying to figure out and wrap your head around how that works, uh, I can give you a couple of examples. So last week, Phil Mickelson on Wednesday was $2.50. He won the golf tournament. He paid out the full $25 a share, and he would have paid out literally any position from like 50th up because he was two hundred or he was only $2.50. Louis Oosthuizen, $5.55. Uh, at IPO paid out $20 at the end of the week. So you could have gotten in or out on these guys at any time. It is a really cool format. Um, if you haven't used a, a deposit code yet, use Rick 20. It gets you $20 um, of a deposit bonus, but it is, it, it's, it's really fun. And it's something to, for me, I don't play a lot of showdown. It really fills the void of what to do while the contests are going on. So 8, 15 PM Eastern time tonight, Joe and myself will be going through the jock market. Here's a question. Rick, this is probably the most important question you've ever been asked. Are you team Bryson or are you on team Brooks? It's complicated. It's complicated. Uh, If you made me choose in general Brooks, but during this little spat, Bryson's winning it. Uh, when Brooks plays alpha dog and nothing ever phases me and you get phased because Bryson walks by you, it is not a good look, but generally speaking, uh, team Brooks, I will give a shout out to Bryson. He, he posted that 28 minute video on YouTube. He creates content like nobody else does. I, 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 it, it is, I respect it. Why is everyone sleeping on Sergio at 7,500? Seems like a steal. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the problem with Sergio is he is so reliant on on the driver and putting himself in position and then hitting enough shots. And I assume the reason that people are sleeping on him is he's missed four straight cuts, right? I mean, he hasn't played well. Uh, the putter is horrendous. He relies on a few strong pillars. I, I think it's I think it's tough. Oh boy, this is these are the, the questions that always get me in trouble. Hey, Rick, let's go out on a limb here. Can you give me two guys, two guys in the 10K I want to fade? That's the only, there's only six of them. Uh, and even Spice, you're one to miss the cut. All right, well, for the purposes of this, um, I would probably fade Thomas only because I'm happy to pay up for Spieth and I'm fine with Morikawa or Patrick Reed. Um, this is really hard. Uh, 
I really like Reed this week, so I don't think I could fade him or say he's going to miss the cut. I don't think I could say that about Morikawa or Spieth. Spieth has, Spieth has an average finish at this event in eight trips of nine and a half. That's insane. He's averaging a top 10 over eight years. That's insane. So I guess by default, Berger, I mean, Berger's usually pretty solid. He only played one good round last. So I'll go, I'll go there. Berger to miss the cut because you made me. Um, he really only played one good round last week. He's usually much more solid, but we we're talking about 10K guys, and that's a really tough question to ask. If and what would be the reason to fade Vincent Whaley ownership? It's really the only reason. He's $6,200. He's made nine straight cuts or eight straight cuts, whatever it is. Um, the only the only reason to fade him would be ownership, and you think that this run is going to stop eventually. Hey, Rick, love the content. How do you feel about Scheffler as a low-owned pivot? And any thoughts on McNeely having one of his random top tens? I think you answered the second question yourself. His top tens or his top fives are very random. He does not foreshadow them. So it, it is hard for me to get this week is just as likely as any other week. So sure. Uh, I don't know. It, you've answered your own question. You know, the, the pivot in the nine K range, uh, Scheffler being, you know, I have met nine and a half percent. He's definitely playing much better than people want to give him credit for, uh, you know, great finish last week. It played well at the Zurich. Uh, played well at the match play. I know those are both different formats, but he is, hasn't missed a cut in a while. I do like that pivot onto Scotty Scheffler. He usually doesn't fly under the radar. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't usually fly under the radar, especially when you get to Texas. Uh, no, I do not like Justin Rose this week. So the question is in regards to. I called Justin Rose fool's gold because he gained 11 point, whatever, seven strokes putting last week and he lost strokes on approach. Um, the problem I guess I have with Rose is while he has been gaining on approach, it's not nearly what it was when he was really good, right? Like he's gaining two strokes over the course of four rounds. Uh, and half the time he's losing that off the tee. He becomes a zero ball striker, which is not great. It's not the rose I want to play for. Rick, please rank Harmon, Grillo, and Tringale. Um, without knowing anything of what you want to do with these people, I would probably go maybe the order that you have them in. Harmon, Grillo, Tringale. Again, I don't have no idea how you want to use them. That is probably how I would rank them. Um, Quinn says, Hey, loved the tournament predictor. Yeah. Oh, the tournament predictor loved Adam long. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of guys that it tends to really like, uh, the tournament predictor. If you haven't seen it, I, I simulate the event a thousand times. Uh, it loves volatility, right? Which makes sense because volatile results win golf tournaments. Um, Adam Long has won a golf tournament, right? Because he is capable of over four days being the best golfer in the field. And for, for you to be the best guy out of 120 or 150, whatever it is, you have to have a ceiling week and it loves volatility. So even if you are a guy who misses like Lee, I, I shouldn't say Mark Leishman, but like it also loves Cameron Davis. Cameron Davis has a lot of volatile results. It loves that. It loves that you can have, um, you can be the best guy over a given round. So that's that's usually why when some of those random names pop off and you're like, what's going on here? That's usually what it is. Heard a lot of talk about different chalk. So who is actually chalk and who's the chalk we're fading? Well, without knowing what other people are saying, uh, here are the highest owned players that I believe are rolling out there. Emiliano, Emiliano Grillo, 29%. Uh, Brian Harmon, 24%. Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, Chris Kirk, Charlie Offman, Abraham Answer. Joaquin Neiman, Corey Connors. Those are the golfers that I project over 20%. That is what I would consider to be chalk. Uh, who are we fading? I guess um, 
I wouldn't mind fainting Grillo. Anytime you get around 30%, it does. I don't really care what your name is. Uh, golf's weird. Golf is volatile. There's an argument to be made. You should be fading anybody as they start touching 30%. Uh, Chris Kirk, I'd probably eliminate from that group. And then I would probably prefer, so I, you know, answer, answer I love, but he's kind of priced right next to Will Zalatoris, who I just, I just like more. So if you want to classify that as a fade by all means, Hey Rob, uh, my one and done picks are underperforming pick one for me, Scheffler Rose or Will Z then make a fade video about that golfer to look like a genius. I don't understand that part. So wait, I, oh, oh, okay, because it's going to stink. I guess I get it. I think this is self-deprecation from Rob, which I agree, which I like, but maybe I missed that one. Uh, I will go with. Well, let's think about this. I don't want Rose, so it's either Scheffler or Will Z. Could you use Will Z somewhere else? Could you use Scheffler somewhere else? The thing is, with Will Z, you could use him anywhere. So maybe Scheffler this week because you could literally use Will anywhere. I don't mind that. Oh, big, big E-Trade guy. Yeah, no. E-Trade or Schwab, big, big E-Trade guy. Rick, I want to win the million. There is no million this week, but that is a good approach. What are your key stats to hone in on? I think approach greens and regulation and birdie. Yeah, so there wasn't really a strong correlation. So if you, on the Monday pr- uh, video, I ran the the uh, the metrics for this event as I do every single week. While the, the data that we have is very good, um, it is one of these situations where there is not a strong, uh, a strong one or two stats, right? So I don't know. I would say I, I think ball striking approach works everywhere. And I think that here, because there's smaller greens, being able to rely on a short game is pretty good. Salmon for lunch. Um, I'm, I think we're going to go out for lunch. We're not going to get salmon, but we're going to go out. We're, whew. I would have to look this up. Were Phil's Buick's Buick wins in 2000, 2001 played at Torrey Pines? That sounds right, right? Wasn't that the sponsored event for a long time? Does Phil make the cut? So the problem with this is I can't quantify what he has done over the last couple of days, right? Winning, winning a PGA championship, I cannot quantify that. But based on his metrics, which I, I, I kind of hated this argument that people were like, oh, his win came out of nowhere, which is like, I understand like no one thought he was going to win myself included, but we have spent the last two months talking about how improved the metrics for Phil have been gaining strokes on approach every single week. Something that I've routinely said he hasn't done since this stretch right here. If you've watched any DFS video or any live stream, we've talked about Phil Mickelson trending in the right direction. So I hated that everyone was like, Oh, this was completely out of nowhere. Like the win was, but not the good play. Like he's been playing well. So I don't know, David, uh, you know, uh, if, if you made me guess, listen, it's a smaller field. I would say, yes, he does make the cut, but I can't quantify what he's been up to. If this was a football game, we would say this is a clear look ahead. He's going to take two weeks off. He's going to go to the U S open. He just had an emotional win. The metrics are very good. I'm not going to try to quantify, uh, what he's been up to <clears throat> one and done Hoffman Harmon or answer. Ooh, now here's probably a good place to run out answer because I feel like answer's probably been used a lot. I would probably rank them answer, Hoffman, Harmon is probably the way. Does Scott Piercy set up well for this week? I don't particularly like Scott Piercy this week. Um, let's let's pull him up. We can look at this. So 
here's the problem. He's just a horrendous putter. Uh, like literally he just, he can't find it. I mean, he has gained strokes putting twice since the Northern trust, like 15 starts ago. And neither of them, he gained more than a stroke over four rounds. Uh, that's a concern. Uh, the approach game while better recently hasn't been good in the last eight starts, or at least like we've seen. So I'm very out on Piercy right now. Uh, I don't have the time in the world to describe how the DFS projections are made. Is there data available from submitted lineups or is it just predictions? Oh, the ownership projections. I'm assuming this question is about ownership projections because it said, is the data from submitted lineups? So I'll kind of cover both ways. The projections, the the, the DraftKings projections are, there's a million things that go into it. Recent form, uh, course history, uh, scoring volatility. Do they make more birdies because it's for DraftKings, things like that. The ownership projections are more of an aggregate of ownership projections that I've been scoring and grading and tweaking over the years. And then I present you with what I believe, you know, like I know there's blind spots out there for other sites and things like that. Um, I don't do anything with submitted lineups. So this is a really good question. I never, t- like if you're using the lineup builder or the lineup optimizer on rickrungood.com, I cannot see your lineups and that information is not stored anywhere. I don't like the idea of ownership being ownership projections being created based on user submitted lineups. That is a incredibly slippery slope. Um, this is well, this was an issue with what fantasy cruncher when they were, didn't they, they were showing people's lineups or something like that. Like the, the site should never be allowed to see who's making what lineups, how many, how many lineups are making, um, you know, with what golfers in them, I think that is a very, very slippery slope that I don't even want to be anywhere near. So that, that lineup information is not saved or passed along to anyone. So it is not done that way, uh, which I've never addressed. So I wanted to make sure that was, that was very clear. Spieth crushes and wins big. That'd be pretty cool. Finau ownership. All right. I have Tony Finau at, oh boy, I got to scroll down pretty far. 8.7%. Can't decide between Spieth or Morikawa as my first pick in my round one best pair combined score. Um, so we only, have to, we only have to pick one of those for best round one. Uh, did you look up their tee times? Who's going off earlier? Also, you what you could do, we could just do this. I'm, I'm, I'm deep into this question now. So what we could do is... A couple different ways we could do it. Let's go to the course stats. I think I have it here. Let's do scoring. Do I have it? First round scoring. Somebody pointed out this here. Round one scoring average. Uh, Spieth is 25th. Morikawa is 50th. Go with Spieth. Hey, Rick, love your content. Thank you. Do you prefer Patrick Reed and Vincent Whaley or Corey Connors and Doc Redmond? Wow, that's a really good question. Probably Reed and Whaley. Um, I really like all four of those guys, but I think that's the side. Here you go. Course, uh, Drew says, Colonial is in my backyard. Course horse is key here. Who do you? Who have you warmed up on as the week has gone on? Okay, so let's, let's take a peek. Um, let me sort this by price. I've probably warmed on, hmm. Doc is probably the answer to that. Um, I just think we're starting to see signs. Let me think. Finau and Scheffler probably, just because they're going to be low-owned in this 95. The Scheffler thing I've probably warmed on the most. He is not only 
you know, the Texas kid where you usually don't get a, you usually don't get an ownership value on him. Uh, he also has played great. It's just, I don't know why he's flying under the radar, just kind of weird pricing situation. So he's probably something that I've, I've, I've warmed on as the week go, goes on. Could you offer your top five slate sleepers and fades this week? So yeah, I didn't create a video because it's the week after a major and uh, we do so much for a major. My wife would kill me. No, I, I, it's just, it's an opportunity for me to like get caught up on a lot of stuff. So I didn't do sleepers and fates. If you made me, I, I probably, uh, Whaley would have been on there. Redmond would have been on the sleepers. Um, let me see who else would have been on here. Probably uh, Cam Davis at 7,500, probably Peter Uline at 7,500 and probably Varner who is all his 7,400. And uh, at least with him, with his peers, he gains off the tee on approach and around the green. He is much more consistent than some of the guys or much more well-rounded, I should say, than some of the guys in his price range, like a Sergio Garcia. So he probably would have popped up there. And then fades, fades is kind of tough. Um, the big fade probably would have been Justin Thomas, even though I like the bounce back. I just think he's in a really awkward price. And with Morikawa and Reed and Spieth all around him, it it's just weird. I, I, I love the guy. He bounces back quickly after missed cuts. I'm not worried about it. It's just a really, really awkward price for him. Um, probably answer would have made it too because Zalatoris is there. And then there would have been fades for like Justin Rose for sure. Piercy would have been on the list. So it, it would have looked something like that. <clears throat> How much talk Redmond is too much? Uh, 35% is too much. 30% is fine. Even though Siwoo has awful course history, is he a decent pivot off of Chalk Grillo? Um, I would prefer, like, Siwoo's, he's so hard to predict, but I would prefer to find him on a better course. I think there are just some things that he can't figure out. So I, I don't, I'm like a three out of 10 on that. I don't really like it, but I don't hate it. It's, I'm like a three. Who is your favorite for single entry contests? Uh, probably Patrick Reed because I think he's got the winning. He's got the win equity. So uh, single entry contest, ten k and up. He's got he's got the win equity, and I think that when you're talking about single entry, there's just going to be a lot of people who jam Spieth and Morikawa. So it's probably Reed. Any chance you're going to play Berger after he played awful last week? I I I, I love Berger. I'm happy to play him. I just don't think this is the week. The pricing around him is just so much more appealing. Zalatoris answer, read Morikawa. I just, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it has to happen. Who are the players that you like in the 6K range? The big one, I guess, is Whaley at 62, although he's gaining a lot of popularity. Uh, Richie Warinsky at 68, turning the corner and he had pops at times. That would be the other guy. The rest of the 6K range is pretty ugly. I'd pop, I'd probably ride with those two. <clears throat> I've answered a couple of these. Yeah, it's been really wet, right? So I live in Fort Worth. There's been zero hot days this week. On top of that, it's been raining cats and dogs for the last two weeks. I've heard that too. Yeah, so um, I have a little suspicion that the boys will be playing preferred lies this week, or at least, I mean, the, the PGA Tour just loves to give these guys ball in hand, which gives um, accurate drivers... 
uh, a little bit more of an advantage, right? Because if you are playing out of the short grass, you get to pick up your ball, you get to clean it, you get to put it down. So uh, certainly can consider that. Jock market trending towards doing individual round markets for golf. Interesting. I know they are, they talked about doing some, um, there, there was a press release or not a press release, but there was a write-up, I think it was the Boston Globe or something where they were going to do actually longer contests for NFL where I think you could buy guy for multiple buy guys for multiple weeks at a time, which is something I always thought was cool for golf. Like I, I always wanted to make bets in golf that were like, I bet this guy's going to win one of the next five events. <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't have to decide which one it is. I just, I see these guys that are trending in the right direction. You know, they're, they're ready to, they're ready to win. I want to like, instead of giving me 10 to one to win one event, give me like two to one that he's going to win one of these next five events or something like that. So I don't know. I'd like to see, I haven't heard much about individual round markets, JG, but um, that would be pretty cool. Oh, we've got a Russell Knox question. Have not looked at Russell Knox in quite some time, so I don't even know where to go here. Let's take a look. Russell Knox heating up off the tee. Is this what heating up looks like, Mark? Losing three out of the last four? I don't know if this is heating up. Maybe on approach, definitely heating up on approach. Maybe that's what you meant because he's gained there in seven straight, which is a great sign. Look how bad the putter's been. I mean, he's never really a good putter, but this is this is atrocious. I'm I'm worried about Russell. I'm not thrilled about it. I'm like a five out of ten. Who are you playing that no one is looking at? Oh man, good question. Let's see. Um, probably that no one is looking at. How about hold on there? Who, who was, let me see here. Um, I probably have more woodland this week than I've had in a year and he's seven and a half percent owned. So maybe that's the guy that would answer your question. Gavin, I probably have more of him than I've had in a while. <clears throat> did you see Brooks's tweet? Uh, oh, I did. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is heating up baby Brooks and Bryson getting after it. I have, oh, I, sorry, that wasn't a question. That was somebody talking to somebody else in the chat. Rick, I'm top five in both of my one and dones. Go, do I go chalk with Answer or Hoffman or fire a bomb with Morikawa? I don't see myself using him at either of the remaining two majors. Interesting. Um, well, you should definitely, ooh, this is tough. I'm okay with Morikawa. Uh, cause you're probably right. If you're not going to use him in a major, you're probably running out of spots to use him. He probably has more win equity here than any place. He's going to tee it up moving forward because he's going to play a lot of the better events. Right? So yeah, go with, go with Morikawa. No Connors talk. I mean, yeah. Talk about Connors all the time. Uh, he's going to be, he's going to be incredibly popular. He's going to be one of the best ball strikers, and he's probably going to finish inside of the top 20. That is Corey Connors is very much on brand. There's not much to talk about with him. Hoffman or Neiman in one and done. Kind of depends on your situation, but I'd probably prefer Neiman. I want a 555 ticket. I'm playing this week. I've locked my first five golfers, but can't decide between Piercy Walker, Lee, Varner, or Stanley. Uh, probably Varner for me. Piercy would be out. Is that Jimmy Walker? I would not play him. Uh, I would I would play Varner. 
Spieth, Morikawa, and Reed or the field to win the tournament? Good question, John. Uh, I guess I'd have to take the field. Because Spieth, Morikawa, and Reed. So here's the I got this question in an email, too, about calculating outrights. So uh, I don't know their odds off the top of my head, but let's say Spieth is 10 to 1 for round numbers. Let's say Morikawa is 14 and Reed is... Uh, I got him at 22. So he's so that's basically like quick math, 18% combined win equity. So the rest of the field has 82%. So yeah, the rest of the field. Oh, the Mav McNeely questions keep on coming. Sorry to circle back on Mav. His last two top fives have been on short courses with small greens. Would you mind going into a deep dive? Sure. No problem. It's your time. Um, it is amazing that Mav McNeely, and I've said this before, is like the number one quest. Like of all the guys who are not ranked well on the PGA Tour, people love this guy. I don't know what it is. So let's let's do this. So let's do you asked for small greens and you asked for oh short courses. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. So we're gonna look at small greens. RBC Heritage, uh, that would be a pretty good comp for this, kind of. Uh, and Pebble Beach, that's also a pretty good comp for this. Okay, you got me. Fusco, you got me. Uh, whoever asked the question about, is this the random week that uh, that Mav McNeely pops? Let's say yes. Can you talk about answers round four? Um, sure. So can he repeat it this week? Well, it's, it's more than just a round for answer, right? Like he's been really good all over the place. If you look at his round four, uh, as you can imagine, when you gain 7.6 strokes total, uh, you have to gain in basically every category. The good news is he only, quote, only gained two strokes putting. It would be a lot easier to shoot uh, a 65 in the PGA Championship if he gains like five strokes putting. So this is a really good stat profile for Abraham Answer. And you can see, uh, while not long, is a ridiculous gainer off the tee. He just pounds fairways. So th this is a guy that uh, I think the only reason for a fade is for um, uh, ownership ownership purposes. Hey, Rick, big fan. Everyone smash the like button. That's a great idea, Luke. Is there any way to see projected ownership for FanDuel? Not from me. Uh, I can't imagine. Well, I mean, I guess they could be different based on the pricing. I can't imagine they're going to be too much different. The pricings are the pricing is usually fairly in line. Sometimes there's like one guy who's way off that you're going to see either a lot of people on or a lot of people off of. But no, I don't. I don't do the the Fanduel. Sorry. Rick, where does your neck beard stop and your chest hair begin? Uh, hard to tell, but there ish. That that would be generally where. Thanks for the question. Um, do you feel that Rafa is trending in the right direction? I didn't think so, but we can look this up, Tokyo. I didn't think so. I was looking at him the other day, and I can't remember what I saw, but I don't remember being impressed. Let's see. Oh, no. Oh, wait, sorry. I still have my filter of small greens on. Uh, still no. I mean, no, he's just, I mean, he's hemorrhaging strokes all over the place. Ball striking specifically. No, I do not feel he's trending in the, heading, heading in the right direction. Can we look at Kazire? Sure. So good news about Pat and Kazire. Um, strong on approach. Uh, he, he is, okay. He is the definition of a popper, right? Like he's going to miss a lot of cuts, but he's got top 10 upside. That is a real thing because of the way that he plays. He's incredibly volatile with his approach game and he is 
can get lightning hot with his putter. It's the same as Lonto Griffin. When you have a an, an incredible approach game and an incredible putting, when those two things come together in the same week, you find a top 10. I'm worried that he just just stinks off the tee and he stinks around the greens, but um, he's the true definition of a popper. Can you talk about the differences between finding value in DraftKings versus Jock Market? I've had a lot of success on uh, DK, but keep losing on Jock Market. Well, yeah, I think for me, the value on Jock Market is kind of in like the middle and bottom tiers, right? Because you're not asking guys, you're not necessarily asking guys to um, to win, right? You're just asking them to outperform their expectations. So there might be a guy like Vincent Whaley is going to be talked up a lot this week, but let's say you buy him for two dollars a share. He needs to finish like 40th to make you money. So it's just about it's just about guys that you are higher on than the sentiment is, um, which is kind of the way to look at it instead of looking for guys who are just constantly, constantly looking to win. Abdul says free Palestine. Um, I I need to understand more about this situation. You know, there's a lot of stuff in the news that I don't I don't understand. And I will do and I will do a better job and try to figure it out. Kyle Stanley is on a bit of a cut-making streak. Thoughts on him this week? Um, I don't know if I have any Kyle Stanley thoughts. Let's check it out. Here he is on the cheat sheet. And uh, so this is very standard Kyle Stanley, right? Big gain of a bunch of strokes on approach, lose a bunch of strokes off the tee. He's made three cuts in a row. Last one he missed was Heritage, which isn't great because this is kind of like a similar-ish place where you're playing for fairways and playing for positioning and um, uh, dog legs and tree-lined and things like that. Uh, 23rd, 39th, and 26th, although one of those was the Zurich, which it's hard to tell how he played because it's a partner event. Uh, I'm not, I'm not as thrilled. It's okay. Curious why you seem Reed's finish last week as a plus, but don't seem re, uh, don't seem to see answer strong finish last week as similarly encouraging. Uh, certainly not the sentiment that I was trying to put out. Um, answer strong finish was great. I, I mentioned that it was, it was awesome. I think he's going to be more popular this week. That's, that's really all I was getting at. Here's, here's the guys that are the only, re- the only, the only reason for an answer fade is 100% ownership. The guy's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, here are, you know, you look at the final round last week, here's answer. Number one, you look at the final two rounds, it's Patrick Reed. So not only does Reed do it for longer, right? He shoots two rounds under par instead of one crazy low round under par, which is probably not, obtainable again. Like there's a little bit more consistency with Reed. Both of these guys are great. I I just think that answer is going to be incredibly popular. Who would win in the octagon Brooks or Bryson? That would be (laughs) something crazy, right? Uh, I think Brooks, but Bryson's got, got weight on him, right? Bryson's stocky, man. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Someone tweeted me and said, um, this would be the perfect for celebrity death match if that still existed, which is like absolutely true. Oh boy. Do you loathe anything as much as Brooks loathes Bryson? Maybe strokes gained weather questions, not even weather questions, wind questions. Uh, I, I hate people asking who is a good player in the wind. That is number one. Um, trying to think what else I hate. That really bothers me. I don't know. I'll think about that. 
Any plans to include FanDuel content on the site? There's some stuff on the cheat sheet. The, the reason for FanDuel is the data, it's not easy to get. It's, it's a lot more difficult to get. Uh, I don't play on it. Uh, and uh, it's just, yeah, I, I probably not. There's probably not going to be more FanDuel content on the site. There's also the, also the other thing is outside of the pricing, you know, the scoring is similar enough, or at least it's, it's proportionate enough that it's not like a guy outside of the pricing, of course, is going to be a great play on one side and a bad play on the other. And I've got the pricing on the cheat sheet and stuff like that. So I'm not, it's probably not a huge um, priority of mine. What's with Denny McCarthy being 6,300. There's a lot of Denny McCarthy questions that I was skipping over. So I'll just, I'll just do this. We'll just do, we'll do a deep dive on Denny McCarthy. Got about 12 minutes or so left here. So I'll try to get through the next, some of these quick here. So, yeah, this is just like, this is like old Denny, unfortunately, which is he's the best putter in the world and he's losing strokes everywhere else for the most part, or at least in the ball striking categories. And there have been a handful of times recently in which he has shown us that the ball striking has improved, or at least the iron game has improved, but he hasn't done it for a long enough stretch. So you're really reliant on uh, him being the best putter on planet earth. And even when he does that, you know, th like this is his perfect ceiling week this third place finish at Honda where he gains five strokes putting. And he's like essentially a zero in the ball striking category or a small positive. It's just his path. To, his path to success is incredibly small. I've answered a lot of these, so I'm going to skip over Rick. You need a bigger water bottle. Thank you. It's 32 ounces or something like that. Patrick Reed loves ball in hand. Yeah, he does. Bryson story on Insta. I have not seen it yet. I'll have to go check it out after this. Hey, Rick, uh, help me fill out my last roster spot. I don't really care about ownership. Oh man. All right, let's do let's let's do this because we we need a good spot here. Stewart, Lewis, or Whaley. We've talked about Whaley a lot. You're just trying to get that that finish from him where it is. Uh, you know. 26th to 35th or whatever would be good. Let's look at Brian Stewart because this is kind of one of those weeks where this might be a good spot for him, although it's pretty ugly. Um, yeah, man. I mean, the ceiling is just pretty low. Let's try Tom Lewis. This might be better. If we can't find anything with Lewis, it might just have to be Whaley, especially if you don't care about the ownership here. Let's go look at Tom. I, might not even, I don't even know if I have measured rounds on Tom. How much is he? He's got to be... If you're considering him, he's got to be down here, right? Is Tom Lewis in this field? Are you tricking me? Am I being tricked? Is Tom Lewis in this field? I don't know what's happening here. Go with Whaley, I guess. I don't know. Oh, boy. Movie time. Oh, God. Can I tell you, I've, I don't think I've ever, ever seen any of these movies. The Departed, Godfather, One, Heat, and Scarface. I'm not sure I've seen any of these. I don't watch movies. I think I've seen Scarface, but I not maybe not all the way through. Ugh, I don't know. I've never seen any of them. Manzier or Bro? More of a Manzier kind of guy. Seems a little bit classier. Bryson and Brooks, Celebrity Boxing for Charity. How much are you paying for a ringside ticket? Uh, empty the bank account. And I'll just write it off as a business expense. You think we're going to get good Kevin Na this week? There's really no indication of that. 
right? I mean, I know he uh, lost a contact lens and struggled for a couple of holes last week, but that doesn't really account for the rest of the game. And it doesn't really account for this long sustained stretch of poor play where he's lost strokes off the tee in seven straight and basically nine of his last 10. He's lost strokes on approach in seven of eight. It's just, there's no indication of it, James. We we have lost the chat. The chat is the chat is lost. Talks about Glover. Concerns about missing the cut. Doc missing the cut at Heritage. I have a lot of concerns about Doc. Uh, but there are there is tiny, tiny little small sample size of where he is turning the corner, and this is a pretty good spot for him. It is more of a flyer than anything. I have a lot of concerns about Doc. The The entire state of his 2021 game has not been great, but I think we're starting to see starting to see remnants of it. Who is a good player in the wind? You're such a jerk. Oh, boy. Why do we fade a high ownership? This is a really thought. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat this question really thoughtfully, Bill. I don't know. I don't know how you're taking I don't know how you're asking it, but I'm going to treat it very thoughtfully. So, um, the reason that we fade high ownership, and I'm going to speak about golf specifically because you could also talk about this in other sports. Um, if you, okay, imagine this. You have a, a, a golfer uh, who 25% of the people have. That's a huge number, right? If he does well, 25%, all of you, all of you find success in that, right? Like all of you benefit from that. So now the 25% of you who have the winner you have to look and say, okay, well, uh, who, did I have the guy who finished second? Did I have the guy who finished third? And if if those are also popular players, you're never really gaining traction on the field. Now in golf, in golf, it's such a volatile sport that you know if a, a guy who's 25% owned finishes T49, T32, like that's a loss, right? Like it's just dragging all of your lineups down. So in a volatile sport, it's it's much more beneficial to have. Maybe a guy who is so like I always look at it like this. Let's let's do this um, on the cheat sheet, and we'll find a good example here. So let's see, uh, Scheffler and Corey Connors. All right, they are similarly priced. They are hundred dollars off. Corey Connors is twice as likely, or is is twice the ownership. Is he twice as likely to win this golf tournament as Scotty Scheffler? No, he is certainly not. So the times that Scotty Scheffler wins, the 9% that have him are going to be having a leg up on the 20% of Corey Connors. And Corey, and if they're going to win it at the same rate, you should be avoiding kind of these big ticket guys um, for the most part. And, that, and, and again, I've said this before and I've said it a million times. I don't let ownership of one golfer dictate my week or dictate my lineup. It's about creating... Uh, you know, a, a six player lineup where ownership is, is, is advantageous to you. Do you share your lineup from the previous week? And what is the most you have won? So the answer is no, because you shouldn't care. Uh, the whole, the whole point of this is not play Rick's picks. I kind of hate that, right? Like I would tell you what I would do, but the entire goal of rickrungood.com, everything I've ever done is to say, here's what the data says, make your own decisions. Do what you want with it. So it really doesn't matter what I do. Um, I've posted um, videos uh, on YouTube. You can go back and watch of, of wins in the past and things that I think are interesting. Certainly not my career. And my goal is to present you with the information and have you make the best decisions possible. So no, I don't share my lineups. 
uh, because you shouldn't care about them. What is your philosophy on betting top 10s and top 20s? Uh, I do like betting top 10s and top 20s. They're obviously much more sustainable than the outrights because outright markets are difficult and um you know there's only one position that you care about so yes i i the top tens that i usually bet tend to be the longer shots um guys like four to one five to one six to one nine to one so someone like a doc redmond to finish inside the top 10 i think he was nine to one to do that i'd have to go back and check the number but those to me go look at any leaderboard uh see the random names that pop up on the first page uh, over the course of the week. Like that to me is where the value is because those players have not been. So the outright number dictates the top 10, the top 20, all that stuff. So the, the, the really long shot guys, uh, their outrights aren't tainting their, their top 10 and their top 20 numbers, which is why I think they're the best. The chat is, uh, I'm trying to figure all this out. I'm in the top 100 of a one and done. I have Morikawa, Answer, Connors, Morikawa, JT, Answer, Connors, Sungjae, and Hoffman left. Wow. So you're in a pretty good spot. Uh, I would say, I mean, you can do anything you want here. You could, you could play the chalk game and go with Answer. You could try to drop the hammer with Morikawa or JT. I probably, I if I were you, I would probably take answer. But I want to say, I would save Morikawa and JT or Connors. Answer or Connors, I think would be good. Ooh, pivot off of Whaley, I would not do it. Uh, I think the options are play Whaley or don't. I've lost the chat. Do Eagles have large talents? Actually, uh, yes, quite large. So if you ever seen a bald Eagle in person, they, their, their talons are like the size of my hand. I mean, they are, they are enormous. These creatures, uh, it, it is probably why they can just swoop down, grab that prey and do what they will with it. Uh, the talons are insane. Do the Eagles. Is that, I don't know. Yeah. The Eagles do. All right, I'm out of questions. The, the chat, I scrolled over so many. We got a little, we got a little unfocused. Um, having a hard time picking between Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter as well. Westwood. Eagles can grab and fly away with your pets. That's true. Will Finau ever win? Yes. All right, I'm at the end. Yeah, I think it's lunchtime. I think it's lunchtime. Thank you very much. Um, that has been your live chat for this week's Charles Schwab challenge. I hope you enjoyed, uh, good luck this week. Check us out tonight, 8, 15 PM Eastern time, same place for the jock market power hour. I'm going to go eat lunch now and I'm going to hit the end screen now. So goodbye.